0: Hey, community fans. Uh, this is Alex. Welcome to Six Seasons in a Podcast. Uh, we've spent a lot of time, um, behind the scenes with the community writers. And I always wanted to uh, talk with someone who's uh, also behind the camera, but uh, adjacent to those writers who get to take what the writers have uh, kind of put down on paper and and craft this beautiful show that we love. Um So my guest this week is Adam Davidson, who has directed some of my favorite shows, Bosch, Parenthood, Friday Night Lights, Entourage, Fringe, True Blood, Lost, Six Feet Under, I mean, it just goes on. I I love it. Um, So let me stop there and just say, uh, Adam Davidson, welcome to Six Seasons in a Podcast.
1: Thank you, Alex. It's great to be here. And hello, community fans. I'm one of you. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, I'd love to talk to you about any any one of those shows. Um, But when I asked you for some time to talk about community, you said it was one of your favorites. And I'll just say, why community?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, Where do I start? Community uh, was, it's a show that you fall in love with, both, I think, as an audience and and, and for me, uh, uh, as someone who got to work on it, it was just a a privilege. It was totally inventive, um, very unique, original, truly funny, like crying out loud, (laughs) laughing funny, Um, unexpected and irreverent and out of the box and from a very original mind, a great cast, super talented, um, super game. And it was also about something, you know, and, uh, I love that, you know, Dan, Dan has a heart. He has, uh, uh, something to say and he's got compassion and empathy for, uh, for people. And I think, uh, um, That heartbeat, what was clear in community was the jokes were hilarious and the storytelling was hilarious, but there was also a true heartbeat Mm -hmm. to it. And um, um, I think it made people feel good.
0: Yeah, even 10 years later. Yeah.
1: It wasn't just the show that was jokes for jokes sake, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, There was uh, something else going on. Um, and it was always a surprise, <laughs> yeah. comp- as I'm sure you've heard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said personally how much it's helped me through some hard times, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, countless number of people who have, uh, you know, kind of, uh, restated the same thing that, uh, you know, there's, it's something to go to, uh, in a way that other shows weren't and other, other, um, mediums, uh, just didn't meet the same level of, uh, just cath- catharcism but also humor and, and just bringing them up. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, so let's zoom out for a second because I love getting to know, um, kind of the influences of the people that created a c- uh, community. So, you know, tell me some of, of your earliest, um, TV memories. Uh, you mean as a viewer? Yeah, sure.
1: Um, of so my earliest TV memories, were uh, I think very early on, my mother trying to get me to watch Mister Rogers, and my changing the channel to watch Bonanza, <laughs> 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 which I found much more entertaining and more fun. Awesome. So uh, uh, you know, and I, I, you know, how could you not grow up at, at that time uh, without just seeing every single episode of I Love Lucy? Mm. Um, uh, the Brady Bunch, uh, I dream of mm-hmm. Jeannie Gilligan's Island, Batman, um, the Partridge family here or there, um, uh, Carol Burnett show. Um, you know, there was no, uh, uh, when I was growing up, there wasn't, uh, streaming obviously, and being able to download anything. So you were kind of... Mm-hmm. You were given a certain amount of choices and, uh, um, so you, you ended up seeing, uh, they, be, they became your, your, your friends, their, your, your other family. You know, if you were a latchkey kid when parents both worked and came home and turned on the TV and, uh, you had the best company around.
0: Was there something specific about TV that, you know, was it that it was it a was part-time mom at times <laughs> or a part-time dad <laughs> or was it, you know, there's something about that that kind of stuck with you?
1: Um, I think for me, uh, uh, it was really the, what I was very interested in was visual storytelling. You asked me earlier, was I one of the kids who went around with a video camera um, I guess I kind of predate that a little bit in that I, I had a Super 8 camera okay. um, film and I was constantly you know getting friends together and making little films uh, or um, live action films or, or a few little animation um, um, stop action um, uh, little animation things making the characters drawing the characters and creating little stories. And uh, then when I w- went into um, middle school, I was sent to a school that was um, on the other side of town. And as I said, both my parents worked. So um, I relied on older students to drive me home. And they, the school was uh, 7th through 12th grade. And so they all, always had after-school activities. And there was nothing for... Um, Uh, for the middle school kids and so i was kind of stuck at school and i befriended um the the headmaster's son who had a key to everything and (laughs) that's when i got my hands on a video camera because we we got into the video uh uh equipment room and we would take out a camera and we'd start filming stuff every afternoon um and so that was kind of my uh um Introduction. To actually, making stuff. Um, the uh, so for me, I wasn't really distinguishing between TV and film at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, other than I love movies, obviously, but you know, watched a ton of TV, um, usually sneaking that in. Uh, it wasn't until I kind of went off to you know, my later high school years and college uh, years that I suddenly kind of fell in love with you know cinema with a capital C yeah. and, and all the great uh, directors and filmmaking artists uh, from all over the world and throughout history. The moment that was the turning point for me was um, uh, at this school that I uh, describing this prep school. Um, I was kind of always getting in trouble. I just couldn't sit still and clap. Couldn't keep my mouth uh, clothes like always had to make some joke or do something and so <laughs> but um we had a we had to pick a language very early on to study a foreign language and I picked french my my mother thought like why are you why we live in los Angeles why, why are you studying french like like Spanish is so much more useful and I was like no but uh, I was very insistent, no, I really want to learn French. And she said, why? I said, because it's the language of love, mom. <laughs> I <wasn't
2: laughs>
1: but uh, I rarely made it through class, except uh, through a whole class without getting kicked out. But I did manage to make it through one where we went on a field trip um, to see uh, at an art house. We went to see Francois Truffaut's 400 Blows. Um Uh, his first film and the movie starts off and there's a 12 year old kid, my, you know, my age getting in trouble at school, you know, sitting in the corner and, uh, uh, and then it goes home with him and you see, you know, his life and all that. And the movie was moving and funny and real. And then to find out it was, um, you know, basically autobiographical. I remember thinking, it just blew my mind. Like, thinking, like, wait a minute, you can do that. Like mm. that could be your job that you could make things like that. So, but then, but then I thought, Oh, I, uh, I'd love to do that, but I got to get in more trouble first. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I worked. On the that part. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I went to film school in New York. Um, I was working during the summers on, I'd come back to LA and I'd work on Corman films and yeah. AFI films, uh, on the crew. Uh, I would do any job on the crew I could find. I just wanted to be around it. And, uh, I think that was a great limits test for me because, you know, I'd sit there and I'd do some pretty awful jobs. I had to like, once like some Corman filmer filming in this rundown, disgusting home of this kind of hermit person, real, real, uh, person. And I had to like clean out his, his bedroom, and found like a dead rat under Ugh. seven mattresses and had to clean his toilet. And meanwhile, I'm just thinking like, this is great. I'm making a movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like, oh, if I'm willing to do uh, that, then you know maybe I should stick around. I didn't know how to become a director or what to do to do that. But I just thought I want to be around this. And I wasn't sure about going to film school right away. But I applied to see if I'd get in. And I got into columbia new york where i really wanted to be back east Uh, i wasn't really enamored with a lot of uh, hollywood uh, movies at the time Hmm. um and uh i wanted to make art films yeah and it felt like new york was a place where things were coming out that were interesting and it was closer to europe and so um uh i applied i thought maybe i would defer and spend the year traveling around the world but then um they discouraged deferment, so I said, Okay, what the what the hell I'll get in, I'll do it. And while I was there um at Columbia, I made a there was a contest, um HBO was sponsoring a contest for short films. Um so everybody in the school and NYU as well uh were turning in scripts, hoping, you know, to to win this competition because you get funding. Um I wrote my script on a basically a napkin. At the time, and then uh, I wrote it out on, on a piece it was like a page long. It was a, it was a silent film in concept, and he encouraged me that I should make it. And I was like, hey, you know what? You're right, you know, because at the time I was only shooting video mm-hmm. um, at school because it was so far less expensive, um, so much more less expensive, and um, so I like sold my motorcycle. I took money out of savings. I hit up. Uh, you know, DPs from all the movies I'd been kind of crewing on and got some short ends. And there was a guy in New York who you'd call up and meet on a street corner and <laughs> you could trade your short ends for other film stock. And so mm-hmm. I got some 16 millimeter film in my hands and um, I made this short um, that, uh, you know, I wrote and directed and basically, um, you know, was my own location manager, my own, uh yeah uh craft services uh you know my own editor everything um S- Sounds
0: like podcasting.
1: Yeah. Turned in the <laughs> film in. I don't know if this is like podcasting. Turned the film in and it got rejected from every <laughs> festival I applied to and mm. uh I was pretty convinced I'd made a bad movie. Was pretty disheartened about it and I can't tell you what happened um, how it happened next. Uh, or why it happened next. It was just simply like the the wind shifted, uh, and it suddenly started getting into more. I, I was pretty convinced I'd made a bad movie, right? Mm. Um, it suddenly started getting into more and more festivals, and ended up going to Con. It won the Palm Dore at Con. Mm. It got it won the Student Oscar and became eligible, and then nominated for uh, a live action short and uh and it won the academy award yeah. uh and that all relates to community i'll tell you in a minute sure um but i, I um, love it i love it Keep yeah. going. <laughs> so uh uh and then i thought well this is crazy and this is nuts one because i i never expected this or planned this and two i don't know what i want to do next and uh, i was fortunate enough um that uh Uh, somebody I totally admired and worshipped, a director, um, had seen the short and called me out of the blue and said, uh, are you interested in meeting? And it was Milos Forman. Mm -hmm. who was a total hero of mine. Mm -hmm. And we ended up writing a script together that he was going to direct. And it was a year and a half out of my life. We went to Japan um, to research there. I enrolled in this place that Milos had seen a 60 minutes piece about called Hell Camp, which was this school for managers that, co- that uh, companies sent their employees to. And it was modeled after the kamikaze training camps. And mm-hmm. if these guys didn't pass the camp, they'd be fired from their companies. Um, and so, uh, I enrolled in it. Mueller State in a hotel and I was like the first Westerner <laughs> ever to go to the school and all that. We ended up writing this movie about it yeah well, it was kind of about that, but it was that, and we i i we really wanted to see sumo and we went and saw Sumo and fell in love with sumo and we kind of wrote this funny um story uh uh about Americans encountering japan and um that was my baptism into another part of the business because we got to four days before shooting the sets were built, the movie was cast. We were all set to go, greenlit by TriStar, Sony, and we ran into political trouble in Japan, mm. um, and the movie was canceled. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and I wasn't allowed to show the script around. Oh. Um, so it was like a year and a half, suddenly wiped out uh, of my life. Um, I spent, I didn't want to come back. I didn't want to go to L.A., come back to L.A. I wanted to stay in New York. I was getting other writing jobs but I was really itching to direct. Um, and it just felt like, you know, I had to have all these scripts and trying to get them set up, but all I was doing was doing meetings mm. and an opportunity came up to direct, uh, uh, to observe a TV show being done with the potential to direct. And I thought, well, why don't I do it? Why don't I see what TV is all about? Um, without any promises, there was no money involved or anything. It was just to go observe an episode of law and order being put together. They were trying to bring more New York directors in at the time. And, uh, so I did it and it was, it was interesting, but I was still trying to make my movie. So I went back off. I raised some money and did a totally no budget movie, um, that didn't go anywhere. really, I won the San Francisco black film festival and that was about it. Okay. That sold to artisan. It was all unknowns, all, all kids. I really love it. Um, but, um, the, uh, and I was broke cause every penny I raised for the movie, I, uh, I put in the movie. I didn't even take a salary myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, all of a sudden law and order called again and said, you know, we, a director fell out. Um, would you be interested? And, uh, I said, yes. And, um, that was kind of, uh, the start of trying TV out. Um, what I liked was that, uh, you know, here I was spending years trying to get some features made and I just, I felt like, how can I call myself a director? I'm not directing, Hmm. you know, I'm doing meetings and what I love is directing. Uh, I love being on set. I love working with camera. I love working with actors. I love bringing the world together, breathing life into scenes, telling the story. And uh, uh, TV, you know, within, here was, you know, years going by without the the features getting off the ground. And TV, I was like, you know, in, starting prep within a few days, um, actually directing, shooting, finishing that going in a post and a few weeks later it's airing on uh on tv and and reaching probably more people than than my indie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know yeah um yeah. and then i started kind of rethinking this whole idea well what 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 does it mean for me you know I, I really of course admire the auteurs and uh and those great directors who've who've been able to like persevere and and bring their vision to films and create a career film after film um but i also admired the directors the american directors of the 30s 40s and 50s the howard hawks the william wylers you know uh, who would make three pictures a year you Mm -hmm. know and uh and they would do a drama and a comedy and a Mm -hmm. western you know uh and i thought well maybe you know i should see where tv goes and and see if i can't you know uh do that explore all genres yeah. explore all genres of storytelling and so it wasn't wasn't like a straight line there was a lot of up and downs uh after that and trying to get shows and trying to you know um uh, uh keep expanding and 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 um you know there was a lot of what happened in those days with tv is you would get a show and then to get another show the first question is you know. Did they go back, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so it'd be like one show here, one show there. A few years went by of struggling. I, I, I kind of found myself spending more and more time in LA and eventually kind of made the move back to LA, uh, for work. And, um, uh, early 2004, um, 2003, maybe 2004, I, um, I went, Uh, I was at a uh, event and I met for the first time Anthony Russo and I had heard about the Russos and, you know, seen their movie uh, Welcome to Collingwood and uh, Anthony was really nice and he had heard of me and knew of my short and we just had a nice friendly conversation. It wasn't really about anything um, specific and uh, uh, sometime later I uh read that they had gotten a pilot picked up and so I, I wrote I wanted to write them an email and just say congratulations and I was about to send it and suddenly I thought you know what? what what do I have to lose and I I wrote at the very MPS I don't know if you know but I've been filming some episodic can I ever send you uh some material hmm. and they wrote back right away and said sure please and and I did and they uh uh, hired me right then to do an episode of a show. Um, it's the show that like people don't like to say. <laughs> to <mention. laughs> but uh, I, I, I think it was, a, uh, I didn't mind it so much. It was great to work with them and um, it was different. It was a show called LAX. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I ended up doing a couple for them. And that's when we started our Kind of working relationship nice. where they, you know, it was really great. They were so supportive of me. I, you know, I always say they're like the the. They took the the thorn out of the lion's paw because I was really hurting for work, and um, they gave me a real shot and mm. been very supportive. And at, at one point, they were I was even being known as the third Russo. We used mm. to like to joke about that because uh, I came in and shot like uh, shot some extra stuff for them on some of their pilots and came in and shot some stuff on you, me and Dupree. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they were just knew they could call me at any time and I would just jump in. Uh, and it was really because of them, the community happened because, um, I hadn't really been doing any comedy, which was funny to me because I kind of started off doing comedies and all the stuff I was doing in film school was comedy, Mm -hmm. but it just, you know, it, it's what happens in this business. It's, um, you kind of go off in a certain direction and you get, um, stuck there.
0: Do you remember anything about, um, Community before you were on it? Had you seen any episodes before, prior to, um, the Russos asking you to do an episode?
1: No. So I, I, um, and I'm trying to remember, uh, I don't think I saw anything but the pilot. Okay. Um, and what I was going to tell you was, um, you know, that you get kind of it's just, I don't think it's intentional. I just think it's Hollywood's, um, you know, business, a lot of it is about saying no. That's mm-hmm. what I like to say. Say no, say yes. Uh-huh. And, you know, so when you're directing and if you've done a certain kind of episodes, it's just easier for people to say, oh, yeah, you know, he does cop shows, he does mm-hmm. horror shows, he does, he or she does, um, you know, relation, family dramas or whatever. Um, but they don't necessarily think to think out of the box. You yeah. know what I mean? And so even though I have done a bunch of comedies, everything started off as comedies, um, my kind of journey in TV had been just drama after drama, even though I like to put comedy in my <laughs> drama. Um, and it was really the Russo who, who said, no, this, you know, Adam can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they brought me on, and I was so grateful to them. I think I had only seen the pilot. I think that's all that had been mm-hmm. shot at that point. It didn't matter to me, you know what I mean? Because when the Russos call, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, so I don't think I'd seen – I don't know if I'd even seen anything. Maybe I saw the pilot that they yeah. shot. But I just I, – I liked it. The funny little story I was going to tell you was um, I was on the Paramount lot for prep. And when you do a half hour comedy, uh, many times the beginning of the, week in, the in your week in your prep, during prep, in the beginning of prep that week, the four days you have, one of the things the very first day is a table read of the script. Mm-hmm. Um, comedies always do table reads, which is great. So I was on the Paramount lot for to hear my episode being read and I, I loved it. It was hilarious. And I was very excited. Tivariot had just ended and I was kind of walking to my back to the office for the first meeting and phone rang and it was my sister and we were catching up and she said, what are you working on? I said, Oh, I'm just doing this new show, you know, with the Russo brothers. It's so funny. It's a, it's, this new comedy called Community. Uh, and I'm so excited I just met Chevy Chase.
2: Hmm.
1: And she said, Yeah. I was like, Isn't that amazing? Chevy Chase. <laughs> they went to the electricity. She's like, Yeah. I mean, like, I don't I don't get it. You know, we've so we've seen all those movies together. You know, I quote all those movies. Like, Chevy Chase, you know, Saturday Night Live. He's yeah. one of the funniest persons ever. She's like, Yeah. <laughs> but you've met him before. And I'm like, No, I haven't. She's like, Yeah, you have. I'm like, no, I haven't. She's like, yes, you have. I'm like, no, sis, I've never met Chevy Chase before. She's like, no, you have. He gave you your Oscar. (laughs) I had totally forgotten. (laughs) He probably
0: did too. (laughs)
1: Well, that was funny because the next day when I saw him, I said, Chevy, you'll never believe this. Uh, What's funny is uh, my sister reminded me, you gave me my Oscar. (laughs) And in perfect timing, he said, yeah, you should give it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that's really great.
1: We're <laughs> cross.
0: Yeah, that's really yeah. Great. Yeah, so I have a bunch of questions about um, before we jump into the community episodes. Um, you know, how do um, directors normally get hired for projects like this? Like, how, you know, because typically a show is, you know, um, community was a little different. It had Joe and, and Anthony do, you know, doing the lion's share of the directing the episodes, especially the early seasons. Um, how do they typically come up and hire new, uh, directors to come and do the shows?
1: Well, there's no, there's no typical way. Okay. Um, but basically I think you're asking kind of two questions here. Okay. One is, The um, one is like, how does it work at TV directing and the number of directors? So Mm -hmm. when you're doing a sitcom, um, the taping is only a week. Mm -hmm. So sitcoms normally have just one director because, um, you know, you're you're starting the week you're hearing. The table reads, you're starting rehearsals, and then on Thursday night, typically you direct you, you actually shoot the taping of it, and then you start all over. Mm. For single camera, half hour, and for hour-long uh, uh, material, um, you need more than one director because while one director is shooting, the next director is prepping. Mm. Because the machinery keeps going so that when you're filming and typically like an hour takes anywhere from eight to 10 days, sometimes you try to shoot an hour episode in seven, um, a uh, half hour uh, shoots in about five days. Normally for cable, it's a little bit longer because um, it's a half hour for a half hour. But what that means is that you're wrapping let's say, on a Monday or Tuesday, but the next day, the next episode has to start. right? And that episode has to be prepped. It has to, locations have to be found. Uh, The the way you're going to shoot it has to be figured out. Any new cast that you're bringing in has to be cast. Um, Props, costumes, everything has to be already figured out and in motion so that the next day, the crew's just, boom, they're starting Mm -hmm. the next episode. Hmm. Um so that's why you'll have multiple directors uh on a show. For the most part with a new show you and 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 having been a producer director myself you're trying to you're, you're still trying to discover what the show is and you're trying to match up what you think uh directorially the show might need in terms of um, a director's strengths or, or experiences whether they're they're good visual storytellers, or shoot action well, or great with drama, or yeah. uh, um, can bring out the comedy, great with performances. I mean, hopefully all all of the above, you know. Um, so and and someone who you get along with, and you think would be a good match for the show. Mm-hmm. And get along yeah. with everybody.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, you're working. Yeah. You're working on uh, Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Which, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, very dynamic show uh, with lots of needs, lots of extras. Yeah, um, yeah very interesting. Yeah. Uh, should we jump into some community questions? Sure. All right. Um, so you know, you actually directed three episodes from season one. Um, do you remember those episodes? That you, your first yeah. one would have been. Christmas episode um, comparative religion.
1: So it was hilarious because that first year, uh, we kept joking how I kept on getting the holiday episode. <laughs> I did, I did the Christmas episode, the Valentine's yeah. day episode and the April fool's episode. Right. And see, yeah. <laughs> yeah. total coincidence, but we, we, we had fun laughing about that. Um, the, uh, the holiday specialist, um, Comparative religion was the humor in it is so great. Yep. And uh you know, having Anthony Michael Hall was awesome. That was inspired casting that happened mm-hmm. kind of last minute. Literally, I think like the night before I got on the phone with him and talked through everything uh with him and he turned out to be great. Amazing. And yeah. And um you know, again, it was like Dan Harmon just like going after it like like kind of making fun of all religions you know and making <laughs> sure. fun of pc culture yeah um and uh you know it uh the sh- one thing that happens in the beginning of a in, in a new series is is the show's trying to figure out how to make itself mm-hmm. you know and um there's a budget that's kind of uh, predetermined for every uh, what you think is a pattern budget, uh, you know, what every episode should cost. And they were, you know, that was still early enough that they were, um, spending some money. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we actually got to go to, uh, uh, we used LA community, um, down the street from Paramount to film the locations. But by, by the time I came back for, uh, the The second one. What was the, the next one? The uh, Valentine's Day
0: the communication studies.
1: Those, those communication, yeah. Yep. So by the time we got the communication studies, it had been reduced down to like <laughs> we have to make Paramount Law look like a community college. <laughs> <laughs> to, then, to then by the April Fool's episode, it was like eh, you got to stay inside our, our studio, our <laughs> set. Yeah. Um, what can I tell you about it? You know, they they gave me some room. We 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 came up with this. Uh, Thing for uh you know having snow uh and and doing mr winter uh and you know i i felt a lot of support from the russos and and dan too who we didn't know each other but he um uh just uh let it happen and so things like you know having uh uh you know came up with this idea like what if um the a person had opened up the drawer so that when uh uh the dean turned around he could you know do a pratfall mm-hmm. smashing into the drawer and like um you know that having these like ridiculous um extras uh for uh anthony michael hall's gang you know <laughs> rip off their shirts yeah. and do like <laughs> flips <laughs> like i don't think dan had imagined that, but then. You know, he would just go with it. He yeah. would write to it, you know? Yeah. Um. I remember him on the day coming up with that Applebee's joke. <laughs> if these guys don't yeah. show up, let's, 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 let's go. go rap. Yeah. I got to get to play with some yeah. <laughs> It's so, so funny, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: was that your first fight scene that you had to uh, direct and choreograph?
1: No, no, no. Okay. no. I've done fight scenes. Yeah. But that was the first kind of – no, I've done some comedic ones as well actually now i think about it um but you know it's a different thing when you're doing a fight scene for comedy versus a fight scene you know for um drama you know to get the humor out and what could be funny and batting each other with you know taking the the snow blower and using that as a weapon and
0: uh (laughs) the candy um, cane i think came
1: out at once the candy cane yeah. yeah yeah Awesome. You know, and they were also really good too, because I think some some of them I gave specific things, and some of them I just said go for things. You know, mm-hmm. and the actors were so inventive, uh, and and the stunt people were open to being, you know, uh, thrown around. Okay. So that was great. Yeah, I, I remember loving the Dean so much. I, I actually really liked him, uh, Jim, in the pilot too, and at the time there was resistance to having a lot of Dean Hmm. and from the network. Hmm. And it made no sense to me because he was so good. And then I kind of thought, you know what, maybe this is just like the typical thing with networks, right? Like you always get this thing with, with testing whenever you're doing a pilot too. Oh, so-and-so doesn't test well, Hmm. you know? Well, that's because so and so is playing the antagonist. Yeah, <laughs> they shouldn't. Yeah. They, sh- they shouldn't test well. If they're yeah. testing well, then there's something's wrong. You know. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't surprised by the way that dean just kept growing and growing and growing. Finally, as a character, you know. Yeah, the Jim is just so yeah. great.
0: Yeah, he develops that character, and the writers develop the character so well over six seasons. He's, yeah, he's um, yeah, yeah pretty flawless. So there was
1: a lot of resistance to him at first. Not from the writers. Yeah. Um and so we had we had the um you know uh I remember trying to think like, okay, how do we do this ending, you know, and like could we do like some kind of like uh have the camera kind of pan along and reveal each of their wounds at the end, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then and then I was trying to figure out like, well what what about Chang coming in? But it was like, what's he doing? Is he like is he just coming in like he's done teaching and then we're like well what if he came in like he's about to go on a snowboarding
2: vacation and <laughs> <or> something
0: <laughs> you
1: know yeah. it was like that kind of thing where it's like you could keep like throwing things back and and forth and exploring
0: do you get a lot of that as the director do you get to i mean you're there's so much only so much written on a page so you have to do a lot of filling in the blank. So do you get to kind of spitball with the,
1: I I think that's when it's the most fun Mm. for me. And maybe, you know, and again, one of the reasons why I love community was that it was pretty much welcomed, Mm. uh, at that point. And, you know, I think that if Dan trusted you, uh, you could explore a little bit. I was, uh, that, that was so fulfilling. Now, now not every show is like that, Um, and that's okay too. You know, some shows are very, very particular and, you know, you're going on that show to kind of do their show, not to reinvent the wheel. For example, Friday Night Lights was very much all handheld, Mm -hmm. uh, three cameras all the time, but there was a lot of room for and exploring scene on the day. A show like Six Feet Under, um... Uh, had very specifics in terms of like the lens choices and, and what they wanted to do that you did that in no long, no long lenses at the beginning of an episode hmm. uh, uh, only use that for the end. It was their philosophy uh, that like the, the episodes would grow more and more intimate as the uh, story was unfolding and you could go longer. You know, every rule is somewhat meant to be broken. And I've also instituted those rules when I've been, a producer or director you know like yeah. uh not carrying a steady cam because i i didn't want uh the steady cam feel for a show um or only steady cam right. you know? yeah. <laughs> so it's it's really about what, what works best for that show and that storytelling and also for the production of that show mm-hmm. to actually get it done um, one of the things in zoe's has been these steady cam winners of the dance sequences which you know, you're only doing one shot and it's a continuous shot and it still takes three hours, four hours to do, but then you, you've got it and it's done and it's still a page and a half of, um, script content. And, um, uh, and, and so it works out, but it it was unusual to to do that and Mm -hmm. to say like, this is what we're going to try. Um, you know, I think like, Uh, For me, one of the rewarding things with community was like, and I kind of wasn't, I think it happened organically. Like there was no, um, it just kind of kept evolving. But like in those first two years, it felt like many times they would be doing a nod to a certain kind of show or genre. Sure. You know? Yeah. So... um, so that kind of lent itself to like, hey, you know, uh, conspiracies theories. Let's shoot this a little like Bakula would. Right. <laughs> you know, this is three days of the Condor, you know, yeah. all the president's man, you know, like not every scene, but just like to bring in elements of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, when uh, uh, we were doing the April Fool's one, you know, like, oh, you got this kind of like buddy cop thing happening you know like uh lethal weapon so you had like the lethal weapon kind of scenes and then it was like you know uh, uh let's have i been like teaching them uh, the dean how to be like because he always had that you know character of the police chief who's like mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> you know got sciatica yeah <laughs> complaining about <laughs> yeah and it's, uh, it became like that kind of thing you know um uh um there was a episode of Curriculum unavailable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the scene where they're the kind of the episode surrounding they're they're with uh, at the psychiatrist and yeah. they're all diagnosing. Yeah,
1: but we were doing stuff, you know, like with the just playing with the genre. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. was you're doing community, which is a comedy, but within each community episode, there was a genre it was poking fun at a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or doing a nod to. You know, and I remember like uh uh i tried out like what if we did this in black and white and dan kept it you know because mm-hmm. we, we shot it kind of like a 1930s and then there was like the whole chess pieces do this like a uh, alan renee uh last year at marion bad you know what i mean and like so i'd be referencing you know for me it was a movie geek yeah i got to reference all, all my favorite movies in community, hmm. you know, which was so fun.
0: Yeah, that's that's fascinating that you got to yeah. to be involved at that, that level. Uh, we, you know, we assume that everything's so, so Dan-centric, and of course it is, but w- what's been great about it, interviewing all these writers, is that there's just so many brilliant minds that have been poured into this show.
1: You know, and I, the amazing thing about Dan, I really love the guy. Um, you know, we, and I think everybody kind of got it except maybe the studio (laughs) but muse comes when the muse comes and the poor guy you know i don't think he was intentionally trying to make it harder on anybody it just was like it sometimes had to be that last minute thing you know Mm -hmm. uh and and the idea would suddenly come but what was amazing was the talent that he had assembled and the, and the Russos had assembled. I mean, the prop person would like be told that morning, "We need a a giant whatever," and she would come up with it. Yeah. She'd find it. She'd make it. She'd create it. It's fantastic. These were all like last minute ideas sometimes, hmm. and they would pull it off.
0: Do you remember much about the conspiracy theories episode? Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, that was Chris McKenna's. Yeah. It was the first time I got to work with Chris. Yeah, it was so great. thing. I remember we were trying to come up with who would be a great professor, Professor Sin, <laughs> and somebody came up with uh, Kevin as an idea, and I had a connection to him, and I reached out to him and wrote him an email, but we didn't know we would get him, and then we did, and he was just so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so awesome. Yeah, and um, it's
0: great that they pull him back for other film episodes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But that one was like, I don't think we had that ending. We we started shooting and we didn't even have the ending yet. We didn't know it was going to come down to this, like <laughs> everybody uh, coming and shooting each other. Yeah, And then uh, it was on the spot. I think it was Chris and Dan kind of riffing by text. The, that great line, you know, of being like, put his hoodie on yeah. at one point and they like saw that and came up with the line Would this hoodie be a time <laughs> <hoodie?"> <laughs> Would that this hoodie yeah. be a time <laughs> So some of that stuff just like you can't plan it out. It's gotta just happen. It happens for your eyes and you have people who are willing to like things, ad lib, experiment and go for it. You know what I mean? Uh uh uh, and the actors were very brave about that. Mm. And of course, one of, you know, one of my favorite episodes is the Pillow Fort episode.
0: Yeah, I just talked to uh, Andy Barbro who wrote the uh, episode after um, you did the the Blanket Fort um, episode from season three. They brought it back, right? And they, and they brought it back. Yeah,
1: I did. No, I did the first Blanket okay, Fort. Okay, that's right. Which was interior design, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was just amazing you know to to, to do that and create a blanket for it and the whole oh that that was that was no that was conspiracy theories because they're chasing after yes, uh, yep, yep. professor Professor and the and the latvian uh Latvian parade yes. goes by. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was it like to being in those uh, tiny little uh cramped quarters uh, oh
1: with- that, that took a little creating and thinking like how we're gonna light it how we're gonna yeah make it, you know, uh, you know, and there was a view of it for outside and then there was something we needed inside. You know what I mean? Like when Mm -hmm. we did the whole last bit, when they're all gathering, that was a different, uh, uh, for, you know, we built just for filming that scene because, you know, we knew we had to get Chevy in there and a lot of people into that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, uh, communication studies with the the guys wearing women's (laughs) pants, dancing, (laughs) I mean, this you are just like you're—and on the day, you know, it's going on much longer than it actually ends up in the, uh, you know, because there's only so much you can put in,
0: right? Yeah, sure.
1: But it's like literally crying from laughing so hard at those guys, you know, dancing with Chang, and mm-hmm. we, you know, we didn't know if Ken could dance or anything, and he suddenly started doing those moves. It was so great.
0: In season three, you do the uh, digital estate planning episode. the First, well, I guess we had the the stop animation yeah. episode, but this is the first real animated episode. What was yeah. it like kind of doing that?
1: That was really interesting. So we were kind of, you know, just winging it and guessing a little bit. Hmm. Um, but it was great getting Giancarlo. Again, this was like where the show just like there's no predicting it. You know what I mean? Wow. That one I didn't get to watch again. I should rewatch it to talk about it. Um, specifically, but we basically we filmed everything without knowing what the animation was going to be.
0: Hmm. Had you, do you get to do the uh, directing of the voiceovers then? At that point?
1: Uh, at that point, I can't remember how we did it. I think some of it was scripted, and we had shot some of it, knowing that it would be used as voiceover, and then other things they put in later once they got the voice over.
0: Yeah. Did, did you watch the a wedding episode? Is that the, that's the, yeah. yeah. I didn't get to rewatch that one, yeah. but that was, uh, that was the
1: last episode I, I did. Mm-hmm.
0: What did, what did you notice about the show at that point? That was different. So you're on Yahoo, got to do things a little bit differently.
1: Um, what I noticed when they had moved, um, they were no longer at Paramount. Right. And it was, uh, uh, where was it? Do you remember what the studio was? The other written down.
0: I know that they had to re—they built new columns, and there were columns in in the way, and different. Uh, it was definitely a different experience. It
1: was, yeah. It was. I want to say CBS Radcliffe or someplace. And they—they they were literally. I didn't even know there were sound stages there. They were in the basement hmm. of other sound stages, and you literally had to go down into. the <laughs> the basement it was like this is where this is like the (laughs) the purgatory of TV shows literally getting shoved down into a basement but you know everybody was very happy to be doing another season (laughs) the money was tighter than ever but there was a sense of hey at least they are letting the show like nbc kept trying to rethink what they had the show. Hmm. You know what I mean? And there was no sense of that at that point. The people, Hulu was like, no, we want community because it's community. You be community, you know, instead of trying to develop the love story or trying to do this or that, you know, Um, or trying to make it conventional. No, we accept the weirdness. So that was really great. The actors knew their characters inside and out and the only tricky thing was figuring out how we were going to pull off a wedding and uh it was great working with Keith David who I hadn't gotten to work with yet and uh i missed i missed uh, uh Chevy but um i understood
0: and um Keith David's uh, monologue about encouraging white people
1: oh my god that's one of my favorite awesome oh. Oh, so good!
0: You got to experience like hours of it, or however long it took to to go through yeah. all that. I can only imagine um, the joy. Yeah, of, oh, it was it was so, so good! Yeah. Did you shoot the final disclaimer tag then? Because I mean, this is the incest wedding. <laughs> did you do the whole um, fake Dan Harmon, um, fake Briggs Hatton um, tag at the end of it?
1: Yeah, we did. I believe that was, writing room. Yes. You see the fake? Yeah. yeah, we did that in the actual like writers' room. Oh, that's fun!
0: <laughs> wow, yeah, that's so good. yeah, it's such a great. Uh, um, and there's a lot of people who didn't realize that wasn't breaks, but uh, good on them for. Uh, yeah, it's a great bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, wrapping up. Then um, got a couple a couple more questions. Um, you got to be on the first season, the last season, you know, the show changed a lot over time. You know, uh, um, maybe you can describe some of that, what you saw, but also, how did your directing change in that time as well?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Let's do one at a time. Sure. Okay. (laughs) What's the first
0: question? (laughs) Uh, How did, you know, what did, what do you notice about the change in the show?
1: Uh, Well, the biggest change, as I said, was just that. In the very beginning, Dan was I don't think anybody knew what the show was going to be. They knew what the sh- they didn't want, want the show to be. They didn't want it to be like other shows out there. Um, but I think, you know, it was a big deal for Dan to get his own show. He was getting a lot of pressure from the network in the studio and also trying to figure out how to be true to himself and how to gain strength in being himself. You know, there's so much pressure in the beginning to to please the network, please the studio. Um, uh, nobody knows if a show is going to work or not, um, and also please yourself as a creative person. Um, that uh, uh, it's it's tough. It's tough on anybody, and and you know, I think in. Uh, uh, in a previous era, shows were given a little more time hmm. to find their legs, but now there's an expectation that, like, just because you've written a, a pilot doesn't necessarily know, mean you know what the show's going to be. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it takes a little time. Hmm. And I think that Dan um, uh, was really trying, you know, to, to find the way to make the show work uh in the beginning and so a lot of what that first and second season was was a little bit of like let's try this let's try that then it kind of grew more and more to know this is what we are and and then what that was was the big problem that nbc had and they let dan go which of course the show you know uh, i didn't do it uh when when dan wasn't on it i um I just couldn't, you know, to me, Dan was the show. And yeah. so uh, it just felt, uh, I don't know, I felt like I'd be cheating or something, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and as hard and as crazy as it was to work with Dan, um, because not that he wasn't a great guy, what was hard and crazy was just, you know, you didn't have a lot of time to prepare. You had to shoot from the hip a lot you know what I mean like some of those things that you pointed out were literally like just thought up in the moment you know because there wasn't time to prepare yeah um, that uh, uh, and that made it that was challenging but for me still rewarding you know what I mean sure yeah uh, uh, but the problem for a network is they can't give their notes right because things <laughs> are happening so <laughs> last minute you know, I think the eventual evolution was, you know, as we just discussed, that Hulu finally came in and said, "No, we 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 want the show as is." You know, you give us Dan Harmon, yeah. You give us because it was so clear that the that's what the audience was loving.
0: Then, how does that change you as a director? How have you changed as a director over that time period?
1: One of the things that made Community so special was I always felt that. Dan had a certain amount of trust and, uh, confidence and support in me.
2: Hmm.
1: And there wasn't, there wasn't too much, uh, questioning or doing things. I mean, like when there was a line or when there was something that like needed to be said a certain way, but there was always a writer around and we were always like, we were aiming to do, to please Dan, do you know what I mean? Sure. So. You know, and there was also there was also moments of invention I'll never forget and um uh with Leonard just trying to figure out like, hey, let's give Leonard a buddy, you know, <laughs> running around and we're like, what if he's like um tagging this thing and we couldn't come up with it and Andrew, uh the writer was on set and he said, uh, what about like how do you spell testicles? <laughs> 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 so funny, yeah. you know. Um, hmm. uh, um. Yeah, that's great. I think we all, um, to me, I, I, I would imagine the cast felt similarly. Just kind of knew that, like, there's something different and something special about this show, mm-hmm. and I just felt lucky to be on it. It made me laugh in ways that, um, you know, were just uh you don't get that often.
0: Yeah. Why do you think fans are still so excited about the show?
1: Oh, you tell me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it's
1: it's still so original. Um it uh uh really broke the mold. Uh and again I think you you don't you still you care about the characters. Mm. You know? Yep. Um uh, All of us feel like a misfit in some way, you know, and community was like celebrating the misfit. Mm. I think that that's positive.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It gives everyone uh, a home. It gives everyone a family. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You have a favorite character that uh, kind of you relate to? Is (laughs) is there one that jumps out?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I really, truly like them all. Yeah um yeah i think i wouldn't
0: want to have to choose yeah yeah, like them all yeah yeah they're all your babies in ways uh, you know um cool uh well yeah i think um you know i just i think just parting thoughts as far as you know you've i've just been so impressed when i did my research on your career it was like you're doing all these great shows you're doing um uh zoe's show which is you know really popular um and uh, just curious then like you know what do you think makes a good director if there's future directors oh. listening to this show, podcast like you know th- what's advice that you'd give someone that uh you know wants to be a director
1: Oh, that's for sure. Um so I think that on the one hand it seems very much like a director's job is just saying action and cut. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of people um what what happens what a director does is is sometimes like that that is the visual side of it you see action and cut but but so much of what happens are these little decisions that are being made i think somebody once told me they like one director once told me they brought like a little ticker counter of like how many decisions they made during the day you know what i mean there are hundreds of decisions you're making uh throughout the day and everything uh, manifests itself in some way. And uh, all those, the big decisions and the little decisions end up being what gets captured on screen. I think that as directors, uh, we have a responsibility to the story and true to the, to getting truthful performances. And, you know, I, I sometimes bring up, um, community in reference to the dramas that I do, because to me, there's one thing that that's always connecting, whether you're doing a drama or you're doing a comedy, that your characters have to believe and care about what they're doing. So when I'm doing like a, a medical show, and the doctor is trying to save a life, that is just as important to the doctor as Abed and Troy building this pillow fort. <laughs> You know what I mean? Sure. Blanket fort, Like it has to be that important mm. to, to your characters. And that's the fun in the comedy is they're not saving a life. They're building a fort. You know what I mean? Yeah. But mm. you, you sometimes don't have to add on anything more to that pillow fort because then it's just a joke on a joke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was like one of the things I think, uh, that was really gratifying and, and worked well with dan and my sensibility and again a lot of this was unspoken do you know what i mean because like dan and i would spend hours together you know sure, what i mean we sure. would touch base we would hit on things or whatever but my take would always be how can i make this real for the guys mm. and and not just how do i make this more silly and more funny yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though we were always trying to find more silly and more funny, like pick up the candy cane or, <laughs> you know, uh, Dean, run into the, uh, uh, the open drawer that you don't see, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it was in a way, and I think maybe why community connects with people is like, as funny as it got, it also was emotionally true. You know, yeah. uh, uh, it wasn't just stick after stick, and um, uh, so I think for directors like, you know, be students of human behavior, be students of um, the truth and what feels real, support the writing, be story, you know, serve the story, um, and. Uh, uh, and I love when, when camera and uh, um, blocking and lighting and set and costume and, and, and props and everything comes together to serve that storytelling, yeah. to serve storytelling. Hmm. Um, I think that patience is good. Perseverance, you got to just stick to it you know, respect your crew, respect everybody who's working. Through, everyone's working hard. I always, yeah. you know, I go into a show assuming that everybody's working their hardest, hmm. uh, and nobody's there to mess things up. You know, I don't, I don't like yelling on a set. You know, every once in a while you have to yell just, <laughs> for some reason or another, you need quiet. Sure. But for the most part, it's like, if we're doing this right, then everybody is like, there's focus, fun. You're like having a good time. Everybody's enjoying the work, but you're focused on the job at hand. Uh, and then also, you know, uh, uh, be willing to take some risks now and then and try things. You know, I don't, I don't. I, I think, I think that um, for actors, it's really important to feel like, hey, don't, you know. You can fuck up the first, second, third take. You can fuck up as many takes as you need to get there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's it's not necessarily a mistake to do it wrong in the beginning. And that um, the, the goal isn't to do something perfect. It's to perfectly try to do something. Mm. Uh, and so being a producer, like the director is figuring things out and what might not be clear to you is clear in their head and um, give them the rope to try it. You know Um, I I know from being a producer and coming on the set, I might see another director do something and I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. It's not the way I would do it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong, but it's like, it's worth trying. And then they do something. You're like, wow, I didn't even think about that. You know,
0: so, yeah, um, that's great. No, I really yes. appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, some that's some great parting thoughts to think about. Um, well, um, I think the, then the last thing I have to ask is: Do you have any f- yeah. favorite episodes of some other shows? I'm going to give some homework because now people are going to go Adam Davidson. I'm going to go I- IMDb. <laughs> I'm to look this up. Do you have any uh, favorite episodes from some of the shows you've done? You know, one or two. Oh my gosh! Do you have? Oh my gosh! I mean, I, um, I can say yeah, you did might, one on Lost. Go check that one out.
1: They might be favorites for different reasons. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like I'm always, you know, um, Deadwood was one of Mm. the great career moments, you know, I'm working with Melch and, and doing amateur night, uh, was a great, uh, and, and the stories behind shooting that were, were just great. Um, um, Really like the, the pilot and the, so I shot them together of Kingdom that I did. Yeah. I like the pilot to fear that I did. I like my six feet under. Um, uh, community is great. Um, the Friday night lights, uh, the first one, heart attack, Bosch, that one. <laughs> um, uh, it's hard to pick favorites. You no, know, they're, that's they're, great. They're no, kids. that's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted
0: a few like that, okay. so uh, fans can go out and check you check out uh, what okay. you've done. So um, cool. I think. Uh, you have any other thoughts? Uh, anything else? Uh,
1: uh, maybe maybe we could follow up or something. Sure. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. But okay. uh, otherwise, I, yeah.
1: I feel like we neglected some of the mill episodes, but okay. it's okay.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. We can. If, if you're up for it, I'm always, always up for a uh, part two, uh, of conversation. You can, uh, we could okay. go deep dive, but, um, I'll, I'll just say Adam Davison, Thanks for being on six seasons in a podcast,
1: Alex. Thanks for doing this. And thanks for having me on.
0: It's been a pleasure.